Outlook for the Pandemic, Weighing Up the Risks and Benefits of Vaccination The COVID-19 vaccines currently in use are not as effective against Omicron as they were against Delta. The protection they offer is relatively weak, not only in preventing infection, but also in defending against a severe course of the disease. Consequently, an increasing number of scientists and medical experts, including the team at Salvagene, are calling for a risk-benefit assessment of the vaccines based on the latest understanding of the pandemic. This has clear implications for our future strategy. Clinical observations, study evaluations, and case numbers from around the world have shown that the current crop of vaccines offer diminished protection against infection with COVID-19 and, in particular, a shorter duration of protection, two to four months. They are also less effective in defending against severe disease. This changes the risk-benefit trade-off, especially for younger people and those who are at low risk of falling severely ill with the disease. In fact, some recent reports from reputable and peer-reviewed sources drawing on experiences in Africa and Israel, as well as studies in California, show that protection from hospitalization, which was relatively high before and during the dominance of the Delta variant, lasts for a shorter length of time with Omicron and is also much reduced, including after a booster. This is also confirmed in new studies on the Omicron BA.2 subvariant. In addition, the JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, reports that the risk quotient of protection against Omicron after two doses of vaccine drops to a figure of one after two and a half months. Even where a third booster dose of vaccine has been administered, protection apparently declines after four months, confirming that protection against COVID-19 is not permanent. Some reports authored by the CDC contain slightly more optimistic data, but overall we have to assume that we are now dealing with reduced efficacy and duration of protection against severe courses of the disease. These sobering results are relevant in several respects. Firstly, there is not yet a universally accepted immunity biomarker that can predict the level of protection after vaccination or infection. To date, we can therefore only validate the efficacy of vaccination by means of clinical courses. Consequently, we must be cautious about the viability of using immune markers as a bridge to extrapolate previous clinical experience with the Delta variant to the efficacy of currently available vaccines and booster shots against Omicron. This realization has particular relevance for the younger population because the risk-benefit trade-off is particularly important and crucial in their case. This is precisely the issue, together with its attendant problems, that the FDA is also currently working on. Indeed, the FDA's hesitation in recommending vaccination for children under the age of five bears witness to this dilemma. Secondly, given the shorter duration of protection against Omicron, the world now needs to take a vaccination break because it seems neither feasible nor sensible to be administering a booster shot every few months. This would run counter to the principles of vaccination and could ultimately not only give rise to tolerance due to continued antigen presence, but the permanently elevated antibody level could also be harmful to the immune system and the body's own natural processes. There are now several studies that address the problems of various autoimmune diseases being triggered and mRNA particles persisting in our cells. We will follow up on this in more detail in the coming weeks. Furthermore, the prime directive, first do no harm, seems to be bypassed in the development of vaccines and drugs if the incidence of severe courses of Omicron is lower than that of a vaccine side effects, especially in younger and otherwise non-vulnerable populations. 
In this regard, a major German health insurance provider has released data on side effects of COVID-19 vaccines for the first time. The management team at BKK ProVita has sent data on millions of its policyholders for analysis. According to their findings, the total incidence of side effects is many times higher than the figure reported by the Paul Ehrlich Institute, the German equivalent of the U.S.-based CDC, which should be interpreted as a strong warning signal. Further studies are in the pipeline. The situation is clearly described in the recently published FDA reports on the approval for the two mRNA vaccines. The report was based on worst-case estimates for Delta, which would result in a negative balance for Omicron in many individuals who are not at high risk. For example, according to our calculations, the risk of severe myocarditis posed by an mRNA vaccine to young men under the age of 30 would be higher than that posed by a severe case of Omicron. Looking ahead, the Omicron dilemma has also given us pause for thought, motivating us to regroup and to be better prepared for even more harmful variants that might come along in the future. Instead of mandatory vaccination and booster vaccinations, which would not protect people long enough and would therefore be somewhat futile against a future wave at this time, society should be better prepared, for example, by developing Omicron-specific vaccines. This is already happening, but unfortunately the progress made has been disappointing, And, moreover, is moving along at a snail's pace. The CEO of Moderna went on record as saying that a suitably adapted vaccine might not be rolled out before August 2022. One other avenue of approach is mucosal vaccines, capable of blocking the virus at the point of entry into the body, and thus acting locally rather than systemically. Another desirable development would be the establishment of an improved pandemic early warning system, making it possible to detect and respond promptly and adequately to more dangerous viruses as they emerge. We also need the vaccination infrastructure to be more flexible, so that it focuses on delivering protection for particularly vulnerable individuals without lumping everyone together and massively restricting the freedoms of the younger population. Individualization is key. This principle has always been at the heart of everything we do here at Salvagine. It has enormous significance in this context as well. We constantly adapt our recommendations to each individual client, taking into account their personal health status and conducting a risk-benefit assessment on their behalf. In the next few weeks, we will report on further study results and the Omicron subvariant BA.2, focusing on possible reassessments of the pandemic strategy.